Welcome to the Metapod episode seven, seventh heaven yes, over here. Seven. Lucky number seven over here, where we evolve around the evolving meta. I think I said it wrong. Mm, no, nope, nope, missed sheet. this one. I you're, just you're on felt one week very, and off another. That's how you. I I just like I felt really off today, but the I know I already know that the Metapod is going to be great because we pre-recorded half of it. <laughs> so I already know what the first, I already know what one half. You can mulligan like. the first half, right? Yeah. <laughs> the second half is gold. It's good. And I think a lot of it has to do with because Nintendo fans are entitled little brats. If you're mad about the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase, stop thinking that way because it's super unhealthy. People can like other things that maybe you're not interested in, right? There's like, what, 18 billion people in the world? How many people are there in the world? There's like 7 billion people. 7 billion people in the world. Not all of them are going to like the same things that you do. You know, I like peanut butter. Sean likes jelly. All right. I like sugar. He likes spice. Just and And we all like everything nice. Okay. So just... Just chill. Just stop. Just <laughs> stop complaining about it. Like you didn't like the games. Okay, move on. Anyways, we got a really good show for you today. We're talking about the different events. We got a quick meta recap going on. That is not going to be the main focus for today, though. Um, we're going to kind of talk about some previews going into the next week as well, or in the upcoming weeks, because there's some huge events that were announced, and then also. We're talking about retro formats. We have a really great interview lined up with a good retro format player, someone who's been tearing through the retro tournaments. So highly encourage you to stay until the very, very end. I'm pretty sure the outro was really awkward. No, it'll be great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit it, so it'll be... <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Just like much of what Sean does, Sean edits out 90% of what I say to make it actually sound like a good podcast. Mm-hmm. It's I'm normally... Just this, these kidding. are like eight-hour recordings, which is why <laughs> I only do them once a week. Because Jake somehow starts talking about Pokemon, transitions into PlayStation, morphs over into peanut butter, mm-hmm. and then goes into Yankee Candle. So uh, that's just kind of how I roll. Yeah, I'm going to start editing a, a Patreon podcast in the future that's just Yankee Candles. <laughs> it's just Jake's reviews of Yankee Candle Jake, Sense. Jake's, I actually do have a candle right now. Oh, it look is, at you. You fancy. Um, well, it's not Yankee Candle. It's Candle Light from Leesburg, Ohio. So Candle Light being established in 1840. If you <laughs> would like to, to send me Light. more... This episode you, is brought to you by this episode. Is, this episode brought to you by Fresh Lavender Breeze Candle Light from Leesburg, Ohio, established in 1840. It is a net weight of ten. Okay, full we don't need to resist. Okay, let's get into the let's get into like, what this oh, geez, podcast is actually about. Pokemon. Okay, yes, Pokemon. We can talk about Pokemon. <laughs> Anyways. There was a lot of different tournaments that happened this weekend. We're seeing more and more pop up, it feels like. Um, Hexer tournament is a big one. Uh, Hexer, you know him, Sean. Done some videos, done some games, lives in your area. Yeah. Has done basically tournaments every single night, which is super awesome. Um, Giving you something to do any day of the week, whether maybe you can't make... The Neil Pie Sunday Open that happened or the Tag Bolt on Saturday night. You know, you got a Hexer to go to. Or if you maybe just prefer the Hexer, you know, maybe Hexer is your friend or there there is good competition that happens over there. You know, you jump over there. There's just so many options that happen to you. So I'm going to name off the other two kind of big ones that we've got to 
that we've got the opportunity to talk about today. And then, Sean, I'm going to ask you on the spot to uh, tell me some of the most interesting things about those tournaments. So two Conquest tournaments happened. It is the Quetzal Conquest tournament. It was two different days, I think. 36 players. Um, one day had seven Swiss rounds. The other day had six. And then the second day also had a top eight cut. So that was really cool. A top eight in um, day one that was just through the Swiss rounds. And then day two had the cut, which was cool. And then also the Yoshi Cup. So this was, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to botch the name. Yoshi Yuki. I've seen this person on Twitter. Or I'm sorry, Yama Yoshi. Yama Yoshi. That is who they are on Twitter. At Yama Yoshi 1026. Um, we've kind of seen tournaments from them before. Um, I know that Henry Brand a couple weeks ago was invited into this into a tournament. Um, it's a Japanese player. Usually the tournaments are held with just um, Japanese players, I think. But I think they're starting to branch out more and more to. Um, I mean, Cashman is up there and he is from Singapore. Yeah, Cashman's in there. I think, yeah, they're just starting to branch out to other um people and inviting other like very good and well-known players into their tournaments which is really really awesome um they play in the rest of the world standard format because they play on ptcgo um so that's what the results are going to look like from there but yeah sean what do you feel like was kind of the biggest points out of all uh six eight tournaments that happened this past weekend oh man i mean biggest surprise for me is that a greenzard won it was the yeah. Yoshi Cup going 5-0. and oh. I don't know what they have in their list explicitly. Uh, I mean, Greensard has always been kind of like a deck that, like, I don't know, seems like it could do well if you hit the right matchups and, uh, you know, and you don't get Marnied into Oblivion. I think that's a problem with anything Greens, but mm-hmm. managed to, to dodge whatever it needed to dodge and go 5-0. That was a surprise. Uh, outside of that, you know, as, as we've said now for the last, like, two weeks... The meta is not really changing all that much. Um, I think what you've seen is I know that Cashman has been really uh, excited and playing a, a Dragapult VMAX list that has things like Nihiligo in it, um, which I think is really interesting because, like, from the perspective of you may have, you know, turns where if you're up against ADPZ um, and they, you know, knock out your, uh, if you've managed to take the number of prizes that you need before this. Uh, yeah. You can go into a Zacian with a Nihiligo when they knock out your VMAX and go down to two prizes. Um, alternatively, if you're in a mirror match, the Nihiligo is a really nice one attachment for turn where you can get off the exact same attack as the Dragapult VMAX would across from you without having to power up an entirely new Dragapult VMAX. So it is a very situational card, but I know Cashman has really been loving it. Um, I want to say that Flow, Flow T-Cast as well also is playing a similar list, maybe that Ransom Nihiligo. But what I would really say is like, look at these lists, whatever you can find out there. If you want to know like the state of Dragapult in particular, I think that's the deck that is, you know, it's the new deck in the format. It's the deck that like, you know, every format has a new deck that sort of takes shape. It's a very popular deck. And like by the end of a format, you can kind of see how that deck has really settled, if you will, the same way that like a house settles. Um, I think that's, that's where Dragapult is at right now is it's finally settling 
into a list in this format that like, okay, this is probably, you know, give or take two or three cards, the list that you probably want to be running for Dragapult. So if you love Dragapult at this point in the format, those are probably the lists that you want to really look at. So that would be my main recommendation coming out of all of this is that's the one uh, deck that I think is finally solidifying. I think also a couple other kind of like small quips to note. I think this is the second week in a row that we've seen a Rowlet and a Lolan Executor Rillaboom within the top eight of a tournament. That would be the PokéX Tag Bowl 2 tournament, um, which I find is very interesting. They had a record number of players, I believe, 74. So shout out to PokéX. I participated in both of the tournaments in season two. And although you won't see me on the the top 16 results, I've always had pretty easy time, pretty fun time there um, in terms of how they run it and things like that. So very, very good. Shout outs to them. Um, but also in the Yoshi or Yama Yoshi Cup, uh, which is I guess it's what's being what it's being dubbed is the Yoshi Cup. There's also Cincino Mill that plays top four, which I find is very interesting because we really haven't seen anything like control oriented. It's very it's very seldom that we see that. So I'm wondering because Yoshi Yoshi Cups is I guess what we'll call them. Um, Yoshi Cups have been happening for the last like couple weeks. Um, and they happen more frequently than we've talked about them. So I'm wondering how mill has been control slash mill has been doing in the uh in in past events and i'm wondering if we'll see it again here soon i mean i i can tell you right now that i don't know about mill in particular but control we a hundred percent will see control in a big tournament that's coming up i think that Sinchino mill or um you know, some of the Orangaroo control versions may not be what we see. The main reason I say that is, um, I just think the problem is like ADPZ is a bad matchup and Dragapult is a horrible matchup for Mill uh, because Dragapult mm. doesn't need tons of cards. If they know they're playing Mill, it's okay. Well, I can play around that. They usually are playing Marnies and uh, you're spreading damage counters. So like you're basically setting yourself up every turn for like multiple knockouts. So I think that Dragapult really is holding it back as well. But, um, you know, when new cards like Vikavolt come out, I think you could see Control have a lot of success. And um, Mill is still, I think, it's a question mark. There are some new cards. I, I did a battle and video that came out today on Toxtricity Mill, which could be interesting. Toxtricity Mill that comes out in the next set. You flip a coin and, with your attack. And if it's heads, your opponent discards five cards. And if it's tails, you discard five. But you Ugh. you pair that with a stadium that lets you reflip your attack. So, I mean, you know, the, the turn that everyone hates with Mill that you fear is the 11 card turn, right? The um, mm-hmm. two Balabas. The double Balaba Bryson Man and Into the, the Mewtwo Magcargo, right? That's, it's brutal. Well, this deck can do that every turn if they wanted to if you get the resources you need right between mm-hmm. pal pads tag calls lieutenant surges you could easily get into a multiple turns in a row of 11 card mill and i just don't you know it, it is a coin flip and you you have to have the stadium and so you might end up milling yourself which would be very very bad and you don't have guru to put all those resources necessarily back but 
Um, I do think that that's the way that Mill might go is like hyper aggressive. If you thought it was aggressive before, oh my gosh. I just hope it doesn't turn into the sword and shield format. I don't think it will. Because again, I you have to think so. like it, it's going to, it's going to exist in a format that you also have something like Vika Volt, which is going to item lock you. And please you put a toxicity mill into item lock and you can't use pal pad game over. You, you, you're going to end up just milling yourself and then you lose. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that, uh, it's going to keep it in check a little bit. Um, I, I, the more and more testing I do, I think that certain things might gatekeep the format somewhat, but there seems to be some nice balance in my testing. Like I, I can't decide what deck I think is going to be the best deck. I'm just pretty excited. I, I hit this, like all of my games when I played in the tag bolt, they all ended in less than five turns, every single one. And it wasn't that like I, I benched out or like I had no Pokemon to use. It was because they took six prizes. So like to me, that's like, I don't know. It just wasn't like it wasn't fun. And did it feel In like that, you didn't have anything you could do to stop it? No. Yeah. Like I had I literally had like no control. I felt like the entire time, even the games that I won, I felt like I won. And I played like a I played like a Picaram list. Like I changed like one card. Um which shouldn't have actually factored into the consistency like at all. But I played, I just felt like the games that I won, it's because my opponent like with the turn one full blitz or the turn one alter creation, the games that I lost, it's because I, you because I either a whiffed the, with the full blitz because I prized Choo Choo, Coco and Thunder Mountain all in the same game or you know, I I had to go first instead of going second. And so my opponent, who was playing Picaram, tag bolted into me first. And essentially, like, that's a huge way that you win in that matchup is tag bolting first. Yeah. Um. So it was like. Well, because, yeah, if they tag bolt into you. Right. And like, I don't know if they're knocking out if they were hitting into your Pikachu Zekrom. But basically, like you, you get put into a situation where like if you tag bolt, then they're going to take three prizes at least. And it's like, oh, great. I mean, I hate having to choose between accelerating energy and or going down three prizes. Yeah, but like the game's just the, the game's overall, not even just like the peak. I mean, I did play three peak ROMs in the five games that I played, but like overall, it just felt like really stale. I don't know. It, it felt like not only was I doing like the same thing almost every time. Um, which is like Picaram, I guess. Picaram Mirror, that's more credit to that. But it was like, I've been watching a lot of retro, which is actually something that we're going to be talking about later in this podcast is retro formats and stuff. And I'll save, I'll save kind of the stuff that, that our guest was talking about on retro formats. But I just like, it really hit home what our guest was saying. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Wow. Because I've been like, because JW Creewall has been posting retro formats. Tricky Jim has been doing streams of retro formats, you know? Yeah, his formats even, are like mad retro. Like, yeah, his, his, his formats Neo. are like Neo Destiny and stuff. And, but like, anyways, I've just been overall just watching retro, though. That's the point I'm trying to make. And it's like, the game is super different. Um, but again, I'll save that to our discussion with our guest. Because our guest is very more knowledgeable in that area than myself. Um, but anyways, 
Do you want to get into the next, uh, yes. the next topic? We're going to yes. talk about some Players' Cup, or 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 should I say the lack thereof Players' Cup information? Yeah, I was going to say, like, what do we what do we talk about the Players' Cup? It happened. There's, like, no results. There's no results. It's almost like, unless you're, like, a Twitter fiend in the Pokemon scene, and you just, like, have written down okay, everybody who's Sean, tweeted... Just- Call me out. I mean, unless like, you're Jake me. and you write down every per- person who's tweeted that they made top 16 and you note down what region they're from. Yeah, it's like it's impossible to kind of know. Uh, not impossible. Very difficult to know who made top 16 in any given region. Um, and then on top of that, unless people also are saying what deck they're playing, it's impossible to know what archetypes converted from 256 to 64 to top 16. Now, maybe Pokemon will publish all that information at some point, but like Azul even asked, and, um, you know, I know he's not competing and I know Will Post who, um, helps run the event for Pokemon. Uh, it's to none of their faults, I would say, but it is very strange that you are building, you build up this big event in the player's cup, right? You're giving away prizes that are worth thousands of dollars you do it over the course of a whole month and then you just don't update people on like who is advancing or what the archetypes even for the decks that are, it just seems like a huge miss because by the time that information actually comes out, the format will be over. Like darkness ablaze will have released and no one will care about whatever these results are. So like now is the time if ever there was a time to tell people. Do you want to know the last time that Pokemon tweeted about the TCG? Oh, no. Uh, July the, 16th. Oh. I mean, that's not like that far away, that but again. like, because they only tweet like once per day, pretty much. Once, maybe twice a day. Sometimes three or four times. But they, guess what the tweet was about? I feel like I saw this tweet. I think they were just tweeting about some random card from the new set. No. Okay. They were tweeting about how if you add Inteleon VMAX to the Inteleon theme deck, it is in it is an upgrade. Wow. Like no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> it's like that's literally the phrase that went through my head. I was just like, these guys at Pokemon, who do they think is on Twitter? I'm like, this isn't Snapchat. This isn't TikTok. You're not reaching the nine year olds here. People that are on Twitter are like Everyone on Twitter is old. Let's be frank. Let's, let's be frank here. There's no kids uh, on Twitter. I don't know about that. I oh, mean, they, they tweeted about Pokemon TCG in, on July 14th. Mm-hmm. Cute. Check. Powerful. Check. But would Stuffle and Beware make it in your Pokemon TCG deck? No. <laughs> Has it ever made it in anyone's Pokemon TCG deck? No. I'm like... And then after that, it's just the uh, the raid battle stuff that we talked about yeah. last week. I mean, but that's it. I don't know. What, what do you think about all? I know you didn't compete. And uh, I was trying to have optimism for how Pokemon might handle this. But was that misplaced? I think we can cue back to the first episode or the first time that we talked about the Players Cup. And I think I said that I thought that was going to be a shit show. <laughs> and... Now cue to episode like what five or four when you know how you were saying like it it's been running really well, there hasn't really been any major issues. Battlefy didn't crash. Yeah, it worked well. Um 
yeah, like it's being run well and in terms in terms of an internal standpoint. Internally, it's been running well for the stupid way that they got people to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, it's it's also really difficult because like, can they really stream it on Twitch? I don't know. Because uh, like when when you run especially like live streams of like screen ca- screen shares. Yeah, because like that's yeah, through Discord, like you you run the risk of getting some pretty monka s TOS stuff, right? And it's yeah. different from in-person games um in that sense, because like I don't know. I, it's just like it's a lot harder to do that. So like I I totally understand them not streaming it until like a couple weeks after when they like edit down some of the games and stuff. That's totally OK by me. I understand that logistically as like a broadcaster of someone who for for a full time job like produces sports. Essentially, I totally understand that, but like. I think I brought this up the other week. They posted that like power rankings video or article. <laughs> yeah. But it was after everything started. Like that just felt like a huge miss. Like it was cool, right? There was a lot of great minds, you know, that were on that and that made that. But it was like it was produ- it was put out like so late. It was just like I feel like they're just whiffing a lot of stuff. It's just every piece of information that comes out of this. It's almost like I want to think to myself, who is the intended audience for this? Because these predictions about the Players Cup, like I think it'll be this and I think it'll be that. It's clearly not meant for anybody who's actually playing in it. So like who is reading this article that cares? And that'll be the same for like when this event is over, right? When you do finally release all these stats, but then there's a new set that doesn't include anything, who is the audience? Like, what Yeah. What information are you trying to convey then? Um, it feels like I picked up, oh, you, know, you know, last month's newspaper. You know, whenever I hear from Pokemon, it's just like, is your legal team that difficult to get through from like a publishing content perspective? Like, I, I can't imagine that's it. So do you think if... Do you think this is something that I've thought of in the last like 30 seconds? Do you think that if everything was like a month ago in June, everything basically from the start to the finish was set back a month? Do you think that we'd be having like a different conversation about this all? I think we'd still be upset that they're not releasing information regularly. But if the tournament were to have ended a week ago, let's say, rather than a, you know two or three weeks from now, then at least the tournament ends with three to four weeks or so left in the standard format that people can like say, oh, I like this deck. I want to go build it. Whether or not you're like super deep into Pokemon like we are, or you know somebody who just plays more casually, whether you're an adult or a kid, that information is still valuable. But by the time mm-hmm. the information comes out now, it is no longer valuable. Uh, Unless you want to play a retro format. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right. Uh, Anyways, I I think uh, that to me is just a big shocker uh, of just how they have like, I think dropped the ball uh, or whiffed, as you say. 
I want to leave one last thing, I guess, before we go into the next thing. Um, they're not just doing this for the TCG. They're also like having a same pattern, I guess you could say, with the VGC Players Cup, with the Pokken Players Cup. I've seen like little to no information about either of those things. Mm. Um, so it's not just like it's not just the TCG. You know, it's the whole idea of the Players Cup, in a sense. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I don't, I don't follow either of those scenes. You may follow the VGC maybe a little more closely than I do, but you know, it's just, it's just strange. It's very interesting, I will say. Um, but one big thing that's coming that has kind of like so many people have been talking about this like way more than I thought. Like this is bigger than I actually thought is the Pog Championships. I just want to say Pog Championships because I'm a Twitch streamer. Anyway, Sean, do you want to talk a little bit more about this? Because I know you know a lot more than I do about this. Well, I mean, I don't know if I know a lot more, but I think you do. Uh, so the Pog 2020 Championships or Players, uh, no, Pokemon Online Game 2020 Championships. Um, is an event that has been concocted by, you know, between Will Post, um, who big judge in the community, as well as all of the event organizers, basically. I want to say all, it's probably not technically all, so apologies if you're not included in that, but the majority of people that organize the big events, Neil Pye from the Sunday Open, Ethan from Hegster, I think the Pokestats folks, as well as, you know, a number of big tournament organizers, um, and, I, and maybe even some of the Limitless people as well, um, all got together and said, okay, we can't have a world championship this year. So let's do something online that's basically like the proper world championship as best we can. So yeah, they, they have a system where they have everyone who is confirmed as a day two for Worlds by when the end of the season happened um, is an automatic day two to their event. And they have all of those numbers, you know, those are public from Pokemon. And then anyone else can enter the event for free. Um, and yeah, there's going to be a cash prize. Uh, so the nice thing about that is you basically have, for the most part, almost all of the big names in Pokemon will be competing in this, which is huge, right? And then making it free so that anybody can enter similar to Limitless is also going to open a lot of doors for people to compete against those top players. Uh, and so... Yeah, this was something that Neil Pye was just chatting with me about maybe like a week ago at this point, a little less maybe, but, and, uh, you know, he mentioned to me that, you know, they, they are raising funds for this so that they could fund the cash prize and they don't have to charge people to be in the event. And, uh, one of the options was to be a sponsor of the finals for the stream and just, you know, being totally transparent that is, uh, that is something that, you know, I decided and we decided to do was Metapod is going to be sponsoring the finals of the stream, the top eight events. Uh, Metapod's going to be sponsoring that uh, for when it goes live. This will be like at the end of August, roughly. Um, I don't want to talk too, too much more about it, uh, but obviously I'm and we're excited about it. Uh, you know, that's why we're sponsoring it. Uh, and hopefully like, you know, that'll help other people out there in the world hear about the Metapod. Maybe they'll come and then ha give it a listen and, and and enjoy it as much as hopefully some of you out there are already listening do. So that's uh that's the the down low 
And uh, yeah, in the near future, we're going to have one of the organizers of the event uh, come on to the podcast and just sort of give us more information about it, um, how it's run, et cetera. So just keep an, keep an ear out for that in future episodes. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm excited by this. I always love like when people come together and do like big giant tournaments. Um, you know, like the growth of Neopie has been super cool to see. Tag Bolt constantly growing. Such a huge, great thing to see. Um, and it's just I'm I'm pretty excited about this because I feel like feel like it's going to go better. You know, Lemons qualifiers were better, in my opinion. Neopie Open has been better on a week to week basis. I think that it's overall just going to be better than the Players Cup. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the information to be shared. It will 100% be more relevant to the community than the Players Cup. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's so. going to be and it's going to yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really cool. I don't know what else I can say about that. Anyways, I think this is where we're about to transition to our guest. Oh, one thing before, before we, we transition. Yes, the one thing. The one thing, yes. tabletop simulator. Okay, okay, I'll talk about it. Anyway, so for those of you that don't know, there's a couple different ways to play like retro formats. You can play up to a certain point on PTCGO um, because they have cards, but it's only from hard gold, soul silver until um, current, the whatever you want to call to right now, Rebel Clash. So that's kind of how that's kind of how most people would probably play. Um, but if you're someone like me. Or Sean, which we'll kind of talk about later in the video. We don't have a lot of cards from like that era. Um, so like playing retro is a little bit tough for us. One of the ways, whether that is just practicing or, you know, maybe you're running a cube. A lot of people have been doing cubes and stuff on Tabletop Simulator. Um, so Tabletop Simulator is a Steam game. Um, it's exactly what it is. Simulator on Tabletop Games where you can play the Pokemon TCG. You can also do a lot of other things um, tabletop game-wise. Um, but the Sableyes, knowing the retro format boom, you know, people are playing some old-style stuff, maybe even testing for Darkness Ablaze. You can do that as well. I know that's very popular, especially with people like JW Crewall, Tricky Jim. They're doing like a week, two-week thing together about this um, on Twitch. This is a great way to test because all the cards are already uploaded. So all you have to do is just kind of know what they do. Um, and the Sableyes put out a very good video about how to do that, how to get the cards uploaded, where to get it. It's a Steam game. Um, so you'd have to purchase it on Steam or get it gifted from a sugar daddy. Um, you could do that too. <laughs> um, I only say that because... I, I'm super thankful that Sean gifted me um, Tabletop Simulator because my budget is not very good right now in terms of games. So shout out to Sean. It's fine. You're my new testing partner and I'm going to work you to the bone so that I win the I, event. That is true. <laughs> I'm now I'm now binded by legal contracts <laughs> I, you to have, you now have play a soul whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm visiting if I'm visiting some family and Sean wants to do it, I legally have to get on tabletop simulator. I'm just kidding. That's not how it is. But like, it's a, it's a pretty good video. Um, Sean showed it to me. Um, I still have yet to watch it a hundred percent. Cause like, I've just been, I've just been really weird today. And like 
off. But anyways, um, I have it downloaded. I'll be watching it. I'll yeah. be making content here soon. Sean has been making content about Darkness Ablaze, but he'll be doing some stuff with me, hopefully. And uh, I'm very excited because Tabletop Simulator is m- much more clean than Untap. So in my personal opinion, it's much more clean. It's it like visually is more enjoyable. Um, and it's fun because they have a flip the table option. So I think that's really, really cool. Anyways, I'll, uh, um, I'll link it in the show notes. The, uh, yes, the please. stabilized video about it. Yes, please. And then go give a like on their video and, and a comment as well. Um, I see Sean quote, amazing tutorial. As much as I love IRL, seeing this tutorial really <laughs> is pushing me over the hump to try this out. Nice. Good job, Sean. Leave a nice comment over there. They're nice people. They're nice people. Anyways, I think that was everything. And now to the interview. Yeah, we're going to cut over to this interview that we did uh, about the retro format with, uh, with an expert. So we'll see, see you on the other seconds. side of this edit. <laughs> How do I intro this? I'll just say, hello, this is me from the past, I guess. Uh, here on the Metapod, we're talking with Lee Bui who is a very, very good player, has uh, top-cutted a couple regionals, most notably one with Zorark. Um, I believe that was... Oh, shoot. I just had it in front of me. That was Anaheim back in December of 2018, and then Portland in November of 2019, also placing in the top 16 with Night March, but also recently in the standard format. Standard, what we know now, and the limitless qualifier number three placed 29th with ADP Zashian. In my opinion, got ADP Zashian back on the map in terms of in the Rebel Clash format. So, Lee, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm pretty good, man. How are you? I am stressed because I found out my parents are coming tomorrow to visit me on their way back from a wedding. So, I'm like cleaning, and I there's just not enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so we're here to talk today. Um, A lot of people are starting to see whether that's on social media from me like retweeting something or just from a bunch of players and stuff that they follow, that there's a lot of retro formats going on of different varieties. You know, there's uh, most notably the Pokestats old format tournament number seven. You actually won um, with a deck. I'll let you kind of talk about that and that format itself. Um, but I've just seen a lot of people talking about how, you know, f- retro formats are just much more enjoyable right now and things like that. So Sean and I, we've both been playing this game for about a year. And I think I have just hit a year in terms of playing competitive. Um, so we don't really know like these old formats, these pre tag team um styles of play so we're just gonna kind of throw at you several questions pretty easy stuff um about you know that kind of format so just first and foremost what's your favorite format that you've played in like favorite standard format and then um what deck came out of that that was your favorite uh favorite standard format yeah so like any any of the standard formats in the past i guess i don't know how to word that i guess Okay, that makes sense. Um, I started playing, um, this is like my third year playing. I started playing like shortly after 2017 World. So I'd have to say my favorite format is the BKTCRI format, which I ended up winning in the old format tournament. And that was like 
only old format event Pokestats hosted that actually played in real life. So it was it was nice. It was nice to revisit that format because I mainly played Greninja Break during that time. It was nice to be able to play it again and win with it. Awesome. Yeah. So um kind of go into how so like I'm looking at the old Pokestats format, the top eight final standings. You know, it's littered with Buzzwool, GX, Lycanroc. I've heard people talk about that. Then the other popular deck that I always hear about, Gardevoir GX. Um, some people might know those, but maybe a lot of people may not know Greninja. So, like, what what does Greninja specifically do in kind of this format? And then also, like, why did you feel like that this was a good pick? Um, yeah, so Greninja just has the natural ability of being a one-prizer, so you usually force your opponent to take all six prizes. And that can be difficult, because if you get up to Greninja Break, it has 170 HP. So Shadow Stitching is really good. Um, like Ability Dock is really good because this uh, format is dominated by Zorark. If you're able to shut off their trade and stop them from drawing cards, it's usually pretty good for you. Tumbling has a pretty slightly favorable Buzzwell matchup as well because they can't really hit 170 that easily. But that's why I decided to play Greninja. And it's just like a really fun deck. Giant Water Shuriken is always a fun ability to use. Just snipe everything on the field. So like... So going into more of like the uh, why you play these formats. So like, you know, I see a bunch. I see so many like good players. You know, they they're saying like, ah, this format, you know, it's it's not good. It's boring. It's just and I don't know whether that's credit to the no IRO events or just like, you know, people complain a lot about tag teams and stuff. So like, I don't know if it's because of that or just kind of a combination of everything. So why do you feel like a lot of people are really going back to retro formats right now? Yeah, uh, in my opinion, like most of the retro formats are more skill based and stay standard format because I feel like today's current format is more, more or less based on explosive first turns. Like if you have explosive few first turns, you usually win the game. And retro formats is more about you know using the first few turns to set up, and then that's when you like actually play the game in the mid game. And it's usually pretty skill-based, like Zork's trade. Like Zork is one of the most skill-based cards in the game. It's just nice to be able to, you know, slow down the pace of the game in these retro formats and actually have to think through your moves more carefully. So do you feel like um, if you're, so let's say I am Jake Reaney, I am regional champion, you know, in a past time. Uh, we'll just pretend that's the thing. But um, I don't want to play the standard format. Like, I just, I hate it with all my life. I don't want to do anything with it. Um, so I start to play retro formats instead. Do you feel like that retro formats are, like, a good substitute in order to, like, not gain rust? Because, like, when I was a college student athlete, you know, the time that you take off, like, that's just awful, you know? Like, you come back and you're, like, awful. So do you feel like that this is a good, like, replacement for playing in standard right now? Yeah, um... I kind of have a similar thing with that. Like, I usually, like, when I'm in college, I usually take a couple months off. Like, I'll play for a couple months, then I'll take, like, three months off. But, yeah, I understand what you mean by rust. Um, I'm not sure if it's, like, similar to playing the current format, but, like, playing retro formats gives you a good feel of how the game played out in the past compared to how it is uh, played now. And it gives you the opportunity to play old, unique decks and implement different strategies, which I really like. And yeah, you can. And the good thing about retro formats is like you can look at the past previous deck list that did well at regionals or like were played by great players and see with why they ran certain cards or how you could improve upon it. So 
those are some good attributes of retro formats that I really like. Did you speaking on like you going back and looking at things and then um, changing it up as changing up a deck from what it did back then? Were there any changes to your Greninja list that you made like before this that you were like, oh my gosh, why didn't we think of this like way back in the day? Um, actually, the Greninja list I ran in the Pokestats tournament was the exact 60 I ran in real life when the uh, uh, BKTCRI format was still legal. It was an exact 60 of my list that I used to run, so it was nice. Like I said, that was the only old format event where I actually played it in real life, so it gave me a little bit of an advantage. Okay, yeah, no, that's uh, that's really awesome. I have a question. Yeah, no, Sean, you definitely go in. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so in terms of, like you said, it's more skill-based versus now, do you think that, you know, with the reintroduction of evolutions in VMAXs, um, evolutions being, like, viable, I should say, rather than, like, the basic, like, one prize or evolutions, do you think that Pokemon is trying to move us back to a little bit more of the era back in like 2016, 17, et cetera? Um, yeah, I could see why people might think that way, but I don't know. The Pokemon, like the VMAX Pokemon seem to have such high HP, which I don't know is necessarily good for the game. In 2016, 2017, like the maximum HP is on like 150, 170 maybe. I can see what Pokemon trying to do with the VMAX, but they have, such, they have over 300 HP, so it's hard to imagine that they're trying to get us back the time when the HPs were lower in terms of evolution Pokemon. Yeah. And I guess to that point, like they make the HPs higher then they make the attack caught like not cost, but like the attack values, like Eternatus is maxing out at 270 for three energy or for two right. energy. So you're sitting there like, well, that still is rewarding explosive first and second turns rather than like, right. I feel turns. like, I feel like the cards they're making now are just way too powerful and explosive and it doesn't really allow for a lot of skillful plays because and they want to just burst out on your first few turns and take over the game. On retro format tournaments, like you use the first few turns to actually set up evolution Pokemon, your Zoroarks, your Greninjas, and then just hopefully play the game from there. That's really interesting because, like, I noticed because I looked at your, um, I looked at some of your old lists in terms of like, so I looked at like your Zorark list from Anaheim. You know, you have like this Seismitoad EX here, which I know Quaking Punch. I've heard that. I've heard that before. The uh, rumbling yeah. from players, you know, like it does. It does look like there is like so much more setup that you have to do. You know, like all of these evolutions, all of like Lycanroc, it's an evolution. Zorak, it's an evolution. Gardevoir, it's a stage two. Um, what there was another one that I was gonna say, but yeah, like there's just so many more evolutions so like it's very interesting to see like how it's changed but for somebody that for somebody that wants to get into retro like the hardest part for me is like i don't have the cards really right like i just don't have it um what's the best thing like if somebody wanted to get into retro format and retro play how do how do you think they should go about it um so like like I said, I just started playing shortly after 2017 World Championship. So, like, sometimes even I don't have the cards to play in the retro format tournaments. Uh, but when I do, I just um, go on, like, the Pokemon website or Limitless and look at old deck lists, see what decks I would be interested in playing. Um, a really helpful thing I do is, like, talk with my friends that play in these old formats when they're legal and listen to your advice on, like, certain decks, matchups, and how to play them. 
so for example, like for the 2016 format, like I had no idea like what to play in that format. So I reached out to Liam Williams. Um, I don't know if you guys know Liam Williams, but he top four nationals at uh, 2016. And Sam Huff, he top four worlds at 2016. So I was like, all right, these are really good people to reach out to if I'm interested in this format. So I think that's a really good thing to do. Just reach out to your friends that played in the formats and just ask for their advice. So interest. Oh, Sean, no, 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 I was just thinking out loud. Uh, so do you wish that, and now we're getting the hypotheticals, right? But I know lots of other card games have a variety of formats, whereas Pokemon basically has uh, standard and expanded, right? And expanded yeah. gets a bad rap because it's just completely insane. <laughs> I, mean, oh, yeah. I don't even play it and I'm scared to play it because I'm like, I get, I get salty about, you know, the, a bit of the getting like, whacked randomness. by a dog deck. Yeah. Like the randomness that kind of goes along with standard about like whether or not you have an explosive turn kind of being it. I feel like an expanded, that's just heightened. Do you think that like Pokemon or even like, you know, leagues, like when things actually come back, um, would ever consider or should consider like proper retro formats and like saying like, Oh, for the 2020 season or 2021 or whatever, we're going to do this year's retro format for the, a new, you know, format that's available. Um, I think that'd be interesting. I don't know if it will work though, because like the league cups are kind of obliged to play standard formats or expanded formats. So, um, and expanded is always in my memory. It's always been black and white onwards to the like newest set. So it, it'll be hard to imagine they ever get into retro format tournaments at league cups. But I would definitely be interested if they did. I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like because if they did a retro format, I feel like they wouldn't like it wouldn't be Pokemon sanctioned, right? If that makes sense. And it uh, goes back to what you said, like some people just don't have access to cards like people like me, like we just started playing a few years ago. There are even newer players that maybe just started playing last year. So uh, giving them access to those cards could be difficult if we were able to do retro formats during League Cups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, you know. It's not really fair if you're like, hey, kids, you want to play this retro tournament? Okay, we're going to need about $700 for tropical <laughs> beaches. And, uh, you know. Yeah, it's like every expanded deck right now. It's like, do you have tropical beaches? No, well, play standard. Uh, that's actually what happened in the 2013 format. Like, I wanted to play Blastoise, but obviously you need tropical beaches for Blastoise. So I kind of just played Dark Ride in that format. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just, if anybody would like to donate to Jake tropical beaches, hit me up. Um, what's like if there was a card from like a retro format, is there like a card in a retro format that you feel like would just be like super good and help out a ton for standard or like how you were mentioning how like the Pokemon are just so big and they they hit for so much and it's so like turbo. Is there is there a card from a retro format that if reprinted could maybe help out standard to make it more enjoyable for the average person? Mm. Oh, no, that's tricky because, like I said, retro format tournaments are usually slower. So I don't know how they would do in the standard format. I guess one thing that could, if they were to reprint a card from retro formats that would help in the standard format would also be Shaman EX because you can draw more cards than just one to Denny a turn. Mm. Just think um, if, like... Shaman, Crobat, and Dedenne. Yeah. I doubt they're going to reprint Shaman in the standard format, but that would be an interesting dynamic. 
just throw out, you have even more explosive turns because you can use Shaman and the Denners. Um, did I, I did I ask you what your favorite like card was in like a retro format? I think I asked you what your favorite deck was. Um, my favorite card, I guess it would have to be Greninja Break because that's the thing that's brought me the most in real life and in the Pokestats old format events. Um, my favorite format would probably be 2017 NAIC. Like I said, I didn't play in real life during that time, but just mm-hmm. playing it online in the through the Pokestats Discord, it seems so skill based. Like it's actually insane, <laughs> and it's really fun too because like you have incredible comeback potential in that format. What I were some lot decks during that? The, the 2017 NIC, I would say like Drampagar, Greninja, Volcanion, um, Alclim the Sigilai, things like that. It's just quite a good format, I would say. Probably one of the best formats Pokemon's ever had. Ooh. And then they banned the uh, Force of Giant Plants, right? It, yeah, that was the format Forest of Giant Plants was legal, which made Bob Plume really good. I think that was... Uh... Didn't like Tord win an event during that time? I think it might have been NAIC. I actually don't know. I just feel like whenever they show like highlights or whatever, like a, a hype video for Pokemon TCG, I feel like I see Tord playing Decidueye with Force of Giant Plants. And I'm like, ah, because that's who I think of right away. Right. Uh, I think the good thing about the uh, 2017 NAIC format is like even the decks are really good. There's some good counter decks to it. So, like, for example, the Sigilai Bogplum is one of the best decks in the format, but it was recently countered by Drampagarb and stuff like that, you know? So you, felt like, so you felt like there was this, like, good circle going on where in comparison to, like, the Sword and Shield format, <laughs> where it was literally just like, uh, just play ADP or Mill, and exactly. you can't get countered or whatever. Like, exactly. Like, the... The extremely good decks in the current format, like they, there weren't any really good counters to it until recently. In the retro format term, is even the really good decks were countered by other decks, were countered by other really good decks. I would say. Interesting. So yeah, it's almost like when you when they talk about like the fairy and dragon, how like there's this like circle, and you know when you insert fairy and dragon, it like breaks the circle and puts a tangent or whatever in there. So that I like. I think that's a very interesting perspective because yeah like i think about the standard format right now and how like how like you can literally even if you have a bad mashup you know if you just have a good first turn or your opponent you know whiffs turn one full blitz or whiffs turn one alter creation like it's just a bad day it's just a bad day for them sean do you have any questions uh i mean i think the last question i have personally is uh if somebody wanted to get involved in retro formats now uh beyond like learning the format um like what tournaments would you recommend that they play in like where where would they go if they're like yeah i want to do this but who do i play against and how do i manage that um so yeah uh, in terms of that i would just say just join the pokestats discord sometimes there are people that just reach out for you to test certain formats um just look at old deck lists talk with friends talking with friends really helps like they'll give you advice on how to play certain decks and formats and at just look at deck lists and just reach out to people to test and maybe uh just reach out to people to let you borrow cards mainly because you know that's an issue if you don't if you didn't play in the format you don't have access to the cards so reach out to people to let you borrow their cards is pretty nice too i think that is all that i have sean do you have anything else no that's that's all that i have thank you so much for like uh, taking the time 
to walk us newbies through. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. This was the first time that we've ever talked. This is this is also the first interview of the uh, the Metapod. So congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're the first. So thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Greninja Brick is the best retro format deck I've ever played. Putting that out there, ribbit. Uh, well, I've got I've got your tweet, I've, or Team Gas's tweet with your deck list and stuff. So I may just have to like build it for stream and then uh, request that other people challenge me, and hopefully nobody just counters me. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky I didn't run into Garatina promos for sure. Okay, I, Garatina I, I is the counter. Garatina promos definitely the counter, but I do love playing Greninja Brick no matter what. So. Shadow awesome. sticking an attack to use. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you know what? This is usually what people let guests do before they mm-hmm. hop off. Is there anything that like you want to shout out or you want to let people know where to find you if you got projects, whatever? Um, yeah, so just reach out to me on Twitter if you have any questions. I'm usually on Twitter and Facebook. I'm just I love it when people talk to me, so just feel free to ask any questions about a deck list or any advice that I could give you and I'd love to share them with you. So, everybody, I think that's the end of the Metapod episode. So, thank you guys so much. Leave a review. We, Sean, y'all are great. All that jazz. We're just going to make this the actual proper end. I'm not even going to edit around this. (laughs) I guess so. You know what? Time time flies when you're flying by the seat of your pants. uh, That's definitely not how it goes. Anyways.